Good morning. This is episode nine of the Top Soil Podcast. Welcome back to the Soil Nation World Headquarters. We're going to continue our conversation here this week about regenerative ag, sustainable ag. I'm Mitchell Hora, Continuum Ag. Ryan is joining us again, and uh, my co-host here, Trent Stout with Stout Seeds. So we're down here in Southeast Iowa talking this week about regenerative ag, sustainable ag, building a market for that. How do we as farmers fit in, and what the whole driving thing being very consumer driven and we need to help to show and tailor this market because of the direct link between soil health, crop health, animal health, human health, and environmental impact as well. One of those pieces of sustainable ag, regenerative ag conservation being cover crops. So there's some talk on Twitter that's going to kind of tailor our conversation today surrounding that. Yeah, so I came across a tweet today from Tom Buman, Buman at Agrintools Tom. Yeah, he's from Western Iowa. Yeah. To be widely adopted, cover crops must either reduce cost, increase yield, or both. Right. What says you? So I think reducing cost, increase yield, or both is definitely where there's at in the short term if you're playing into the current market that you're putting out your cover crop at 15 to 25 bucks an acre cost, maybe more, especially if you're having it custom done or flown on. So your cover crop being, you know, for those of you who don't know, in our current system in Iowa agriculture, a lot of people are corn, soybeans, year after year. A cover crop is what you would put out there kind of over the winter when you don't have your growing crop. So a lot of people use cereal rye, which is a grass. But there's a lot of other cover crops that can be used as well. So the issue is that cover crop costs you more money to go out there. So I think the argument here is, okay, when I put out that, that's an extra cost to my bottom line. That's taken right out of my profitability. You know, it's simple economic equations right there that it's, it's cost me more money to put that out there. So I either need to be able to reduce my fertilizer inputs reduce some of my cost up front where I've got to improve my yield Mm -hmm. at the end of the day in order to make the economics pencil out. Mm -hmm. The problem is Iowa State released some, they've got um, survey data on that, or they, they were evaluating survey data, did economic analysis of this, and they're showing that currently the economics don't necessarily pan out. But to fit into our conversation that we've been having this week, that there's a lot more to it. If you're trying to stay in the current ag system, yeah, it might be a cost. It's hard to to get a dollar return on it. But if the consumer wants a product that was grown using cover crops as part of the program, and they're willing to pay a premium for that, ADM is already coming up. ADM already has this. This is a real thing. But it's got to be consumer-driven even more that now that's where the economics works out. Is at the end of the day, now you've got a higher value crop 
to sell into the market. Everybody that's how wants, it works out. On everybody wants the economics to work out in one year. Right. That's, that's the problem, the thing too. right? I mean, like, what, what's what's the value to a farmer building resiliency? Right. Right? What about if we can hold more water, if you can hold more water into August in your soils because you've been farming carbon and adding cover crops into your system for five, seven, ten years and doing some no-till practices and whatnot, what's that worth? Right. You know, it's so short-sighted. Right. It's such a short-sighted argument to say, I need you to reduce. If I give you X, I want you to reduce my input right. costs. Or I want, you know, my to get more yield. It's like, okay, but listen, it's it's over a time span. And I understand that that's going to give me a, maybe in some hot water with some listeners out there, but that's the truth of it. Right. It, it's about creating a system in which you can increase those intangibles, right, in your farm, in your soil, so that you can have healthier plants over the long haul of a 10, 15 year process. Maybe I'm using less for fungicide because I have better resiliency, less disease pressure, healthier yeah. plants in my system. Maybe I'm using less fertilizer because I, I now have built a system. Building soil health. I, yeah. yeah. You can't do that without the implementation of cover crops in your system. We've seen the studies where just no-till is not good enough. It's not cutting it. I know it's not getting you there. It's one just using cereal rye is not cutting it. It's right. not getting us there. That's what I. You saying. know the new studies yeah. say five to seven species at a minimum. Yeah. And it being able to have a long enough growing cycle, that's where this third crop of wheat right. or or a different a, a different grain crop comes into play. You need that to be able to build this biomass to be able to feed your soil livestock right. and the. And the in the microbes. Yeah. Um, so it, now if the consumer is willing to pay directly into that, that's how you can get some of the short-term economics to work out while some of the long-term benefits of cover crops develop over time because it does take a little while. Absolutely. But so this plays back into, okay, as you were saying, no-till and cover crops might not be the only solution. It's going to take more things than that. Like there's, we're still going to need ag products and inputs and whatnot in order to continuously build up our soils and that too. And maybe the integrated livestock back in is a big piece of that. But I know Ken Ferry over in Illinois, big time um, agronomist and consultant over there. Absolutely. He talks about this a lot yeah. that soil health is not only no-till and cover crops. That's definitely the prominent thing. That's definitely what, um, especially kind of government organizations, that that's what they're looking at because you can directly see and check the box. Yep, this one has cover crops. This one doesn't. This one has no-till. This one uses tillage. Cut and dry, black and white, binary, and you can fill a box. But there's more to it, I think, is where... So in the short term, it's there's more to it um, in order to build soil health than just no-till and cover crops. But back to the kind of initial topic here that if you're looking to use cover crops to reduce some of those reduce cost or reduce fertilizer cost or improve yield that that might not be the best way to look at it because the consumer if it's consumer driven and the market continues to build they'll say hey i just support you using cover crops because you're helping to clean up the water right data and, and that's that. a that's, value. that's what would drive this no, they're not saying, you know, it's a big environmental push is really, I think, what what ends up driving this on a consumer standpoint, that there's a lot of data that shows that cover crops are helping us to improve nitrate loss from the field. 
um, in nitrate being lost from the field going into the water system and causing issues in the Gulf of Mexico and other places. So if the consumer says, hey, you know, farmers, we know that you want to do better. And if you're going to use cover crops to help to do better, then, hey, we'll support you and uh, we'll, we'll help you out because we know it takes a lot of money to do that. So if we can drive that, sure. that'd be awesome because that's easy to just check the box, yes or no, cover crop or no cover crop, and that fits right in. I think that's a piece of the regenerative ag, sustainable ag. It's a huge piece. It's, it's a piece of it, but the regenerative, regenerative ag, sustainable ag is huge. I mean, that's a big umbrella with the cover cost being a piece of it. Ties right back into our episode from yesterday about being able to direct market because of that. I don't know if we've spent enough time on the environmental piece in building this regenerative ag standard argument over the past few days, but that's where all of this falls is that that's why the that's consumer why it's demands working. it. Yeah, that's that's why it's the working. demand. Yeah. That's where you get the premium. If you're not getting the premium, then a statement like this holds up. Right. Now I need cover crops to do something for me to get it back out. Yeah. If the urban Direct. consumer is saying there's an environmental piece here that I want to invest in your practices because I believe it's making the planet better or making the world better, um, then all of a sudden you're getting you're not that's that statement doesn't hold up because you're selling corn for three dollars and I'm selling corn for six dollars. Right. You know, or whatever that may be. So I'm getting that premiums. So that's what cover crops are getting me right. versus you who's not. So there it only makes sense in a very short sighted argument if we hold all things constant as far as where we're marketing stuff right. and and how we're marketing. Right. It. If you're marketing it on the board right. for three dollars and fifty cents for a bushel of corn, then yeah, you've got to be able to either Trust produce more bushels or you got to reduce your fertilizer in order to pay for an extra cost per acre. And, and that's where that regenerative ag becomes big. Yeah, that's huge. that's susta- I'm sorry, the sustainably sourced label becomes big is because then all of a sudden it starts making those financials work. Right. What's Ryan's take? Hey, Ryan. Well, going back, Mitchell made a comment earlier about ADM is giving a $2 premium. It's about $2 an acre premium right But it's $2 now. an acre. So to the guy that's like, $2, that sounds great, but $2 isn't going to cost. $2 an cost. acre, yeah. That doesn't so this tweet is referring to those guys that are in conventional farming, selling to your co-ops, right. selling grain. Right. You guys are saying, cover crop, if you're doing cover crop, look into other alternative market for sure that that you've got something direct to market on that looks pretty that you can take a picture of and that it's it plays directly to the emotion (laughs) of people and uh it very visual and easy to understand it's black and white versus where the big data like data and stuff will fit into the regenerative ag sustainable ag i think i think that is the critical piece is to have very scientific backed data but again, this cover crop piece being a f- portion of that, a fraction of that, that's very visual driven, that has a lot of publicity right now that farmers can run with. Yeah. We talk about data like there's no controversy around data. Oh, yeah. Like, like all we need is the data and then everything will become clear. And it's like, in my experience, the more data we get, the more unclear everything <laughs> always becomes. Yeah, I know about that. You know, so Ryan, where does this fall flat? Where does cover crops ultimately fall flat here in your in your opinion? I think the farmer has to be willing to change. And it you're not changing for today. We're not changing for next year. You're changing your farm for future, for your kids, for their kids. You want that ground to be around, 
healthy, sustainably for years to come. And I think cover crops is a great way to start. Mm-hmm. Right. If you can, so it's either you do have to figure out how to make the short-term economics yep. work That's, in the current system, or you've got to do something else. Yep. And there's a cost share to help, but that only goes so far too. So yeah, I mean, definitely all kind of comes full circle that in order to make these make cover crops work on a larger number of acres, I saw cover crop acres in Iowa are up this year, like 22% or something like that, about three quarters of a million acres, but we've got a long way to go to reach the 12 and a half million acre goal that some groups have. Well, we're the that, second largest state with acres covered and behind Indiana. Big kudos to those guys for, for their efforts out in Indiana. And then in Washington County, we're the number one county in Iowa in Iowa for acres covered. And there's still a lot of acres that aren't covered. A lot. You know? Yeah, and lot. so, I mean, there's a long, this is a long way and a long road to hoe. Right. Um, but not everybody has to have cover crops. No, that's the thing, that, too. Yeah, that's... The, the last thing and the furthest thing we want is the EPA to come in and start mandating stuff around because of environmental issues. I think the right approach is... The, we've seen this, and we talked yesterday about the T-shirt industry, just a touch, where people are willing to pay more for a process or a product that they believe in and the story behind that. That's, I guess, essentially marketing and probably it's cool. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but... Um, you know, you don't have to compete in the commodity market if you want to make implement changes for the better on your farm. So I, that's that's a key. That's a, it's a, whether it's through a sustainably sourced standard. Most guys that are direct marketing very successfully, if you look at the Gabe Browns of the world, yeah, that's... Uh, they try to stay away from any type of label whatsoever. Mm-hmm. You right, know, yeah. uh, Russell Hedrick's out in uh, North that's Carolina. Funny. That's a ter- terrific guy to, for uh, and, and a newcomer that maybe some of you haven't heard about. I highly encourage you to look him up. For sure. Um, but, you know, he's, not, he's another one that I believe is not really trying to go after a non-GMO standard or any organic, organic or, or fall into any of these. It's just... He's doing things how he wants to do them, mm-hmm. the way that he believes in, and he has a story to tell right. from the products, the marketing products that are the products that he's using and taking to market. I think he's selling bourbon. We should definitely put right. that link up and give him, <laughs> give him a little shout out. Okay. Um, but if you're looking for some sustainably sourced bourbon, yeah, you know, it's good stuff. You could you can go on to his. He markets it all through Facebook. Yeah. Um, but anyways, he's got a story to tell that resonates with people. And because of that, people will pay him what he deems to be a fair price for his product. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're competing against Jack Daniels, yeah. it doesn't make sense. You're saying, how can I do that when right. people who are supplying Jack Daniels are doing it at a cheaper per bushel than what I'm willing to get because of my expenses? Yeah. But if you're on the other side of things and you're saying, I'm selling a way, a way of farming or I'm selling my farm's model my story through my product. Right. I can get whatever I want that the consumer is willing to pay right. that makes sense for my expenses. So, so it's it's completely different. So that's what this boils back to, that it's not necessarily only cover crops. It's not necessarily only regenerative ag. It's, it's not, but it's organic also or non-GMO or the conventional system right, right now. That's not going to go away. You know, it's going to things are going to continue to evolve and change, of course, as the consumer demands. But the demand of the consumer on the coasts or here locally is way different too than the ones across the world. Right. So those markets are still going to be here as well. We're just talking about diversifying 
being more profitable on your operation because a guy like Russell, like, he's got some stuff figured out. Mm-hmm. And that It's working. It's unbelievable uh, to listen to those guys. Motivationally. Huge, you know, yeah. So um, I hope some of you who maybe this message has been resonating with will take the initiative to look some of these guys up because they have a lot of answers to the questions that you probably have in the back of your mind of how you can make this work. Because that's um, the thing is, how do we get there? You know, what are the steps? How do we go today? So I think it's looking at where is my operation today? Where can we improve to be more sustainable? Or or what? where is my target? Where do I see my operation in the future? How do we be more profitable in the future? And aim towards that and go. But can you, and maybe this is a good episode for tomorrow a little bit, but you know, can, do you have to have a blueprint? I mean, everybody it's gonna always, change. everybody always, if, if, if there were, if I knew that, the answer to that question, I'd write the book and sell it. Right. You for know sure. what I mean? Yeah, like, sure. I would just keep creating an ebook tomorrow and I would sell it on right through here. I'd give you a website. You can go buy it for five ninety nine or something, yeah. you know, and make money off of it. Yeah. There isn't a blueprint. I mean, I think ultimately it comes down to you saying, I'm going to take a self inventory of my beliefs and what I, what I believe is a core on how I want to do things on my farm and I'm going to do it and I'm going to do it because that's the way that I want to do it. And I, and I, and I love to do it. And then I'm going to market that. Yeah. Yep. And, and I can connect with the consumer in that yeah. way. And I'm going to join, whether it be, Hey, I'm going to lead the pack or it's, Hey, I'm going to, we're going to join together. We're going to make this happen. Right. I mean, people buy you, right? Yeah, they sure, buy sure. you like they oh, yeah. buy the, you know, they don't go to Wendy's cause they have a square burger that bought into that image of what Wendy's is as a brand. Right. Right. You know, all those square burgers do taste bad. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. So, anyways. Well, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So good. Wendy's. Yeah. Well, you know, I'm hungry. I'm getting, it's getting late here in the booth. I'm obviously getting hungry here, but, um, Ryan, you want to leave us with anything, parting? I mean, anything that we missed or anything you would like to add to? No, I mean, Trent, Mitchell, I mean, they're both passionate about this, so definitely, or myself, just hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, ask us questions, leave us comments. Well, you definitely got to go on Twitter because Ryan needs a nickname, and it's time yeah. to decide. Oh, yeah. the pool. The pool's live. got to get a we pool. We need you to go in there and get that. Get in on Twitter. Get to our poll. Find it, and we need uh, today. We have the yeah. the twi- the pull up uh, with Ryan's nickname. Yep. Yeah. So, so vote, 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 because this is the last day that we will refer to him as Ryan. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Ryan is no more. Ryan Hopefully, no Ryan more. makes it to the next episode. He doesn't yeah. want to leave after exactly. the results come out. Hey, we'll see you Friday. <laughs>